solitude seem eternal. Over glasses of whiskey and cups of coffee, in stately mansions and homes made of cattle dung and mud, from the desert wastelands of Djibouti to the oil fields of Nigeria, I talked with hundreds of Africans about their countries, their lives, their dreams. This book, part political travelogue, part contemporary history, and wholly personal, is a result of those travels and tries to answer two questions that perplex even the Africans themselves. What is Africa? And who are the Africans? I have limited the book to the area I know best, Sub-Sahara Africa, which comprises the 46 countries south of a line drawn from Morocco to Egypt. The five Muslim countries to the north share little politically or economically with the rest of contemporary Africa. But Sub-Sahara Africa, or Black Africa as it is commonly called, contains cohesive elements enabling it to be considered as an entity. Even white-ruled South Africa, as peculiar a country as there is in the world today, can be explained within the context of its hostile black neighbors. No continent has been more mistreated, misunderstood, and misreported over the years than Africa. Ask an American to mention four things he associates with Africa, and the answer is likely to be pygmies, jungle, heat, and lions. Yet pygmies have been all but extinct for decades. Jungle is now as uncommon as snow in Southern California. The heat is no more intolerable than that in Washington, D.C. on a summer's day, and lions are so few in number that most Africans have never seen one. If you had read Ernest Hemingway, you knew that Africa was an enchanting, spectacularly beautiful land. If you had read Robert Ruark, you knew that Africans were usually unsophisticated and occasionally savage. Not much else seemed worth knowing. Africa was a mere footnote to history, an appendage that one American journalist in World War II dismissed as just a bunch of real estate. But the Africa of the 1980s can no longer be brushed aside so glibly. Africa today is influencing events and policies in foreign capitals from Moscow to Washington. Extraordinary changes are propelling it toward a destiny its presidents cannot comprehend or control. Where these changes take Africa will influence, and perhaps determine, the world's direction in the 21st century, if Africa can harness its natural and human resources. And if it can, Africa is the grand prize of the third world. When John Gunther published his book Inside Africa in 1953, not a single black nation had gained its independence from the imperial powers of Europe. Today, there are 51 independent countries in Africa, and every one except South Africa is ruled by the majority. The Africa that Gunther wrote about was the last frontier of white colonialism, an orderly, uneventful place where the pulse of nationalism beat only faintly, 
the Africa I encountered two decades later was the first outpost of black nationhood. Volatile, unpredictable, truculent. Gunther's perspective was fashioned largely through interviews with white administrators and a handful of conservative Africans such as Emperor Haile Selassie of Ethiopia. But that Africa no longer exists. Today, a journalist deals with Africans on their own terms, in their own territory, and finds that a new breed of radicals has replaced the old conservatives. The circumstances that shaped this change, and are still shaping it, were nothing short of cataclysmic. If Africa is much discussed and little understood these days, it's hardly surprising for the continent is as diverse and complex as it is huge.